Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast, or should I say a very special part two episode with our guest, Jill Toro, the Senior Vice President of Content Strategy for Cyber Risk Alliance. Eric and I pick up our conversation with Jill and really dive into the privacy topic that you can't escape on social media and in the news and and everywhere in between. So I'm going to hand it off to Eric and let's get right to the point. So, so let's transition a little bit and talk about accessing personal information. Ooh, good one. Rachel, you want to kick this topic off? No, no, you good, you good. This is your segue, my friend. Okay, so Jill, I, I know this is sensitive to Rachel. I'll lay it out. <laughs> we had in the, in the last two weeks or so, depending on when you're listening to this, June of 2022, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And as a result of the Supreme Court ruling, We've had a lot of, uh, there are a lot of privacy implications that the decision will carry. Yep. I I know very little here as we were prepping and talking about this. I I found it to be a very eye-opening topic. Tell us more. Yeah. So, you know, and it is a sensitive topic. I will do my best to keep my own perspective quiet under the circumstances, but it really comes down to, um, Uh, potential kind of risks tied to information about women um, with Roe v. Wade. So there's a couple of things. So with something that came up, for example, is uh, there's big asks coming from Democrats for Google to stop collecting and storing location information. That came almost immediately. Actually, that that came ahead of the ruling. They were calling, calling for that. Um, that being, you know, the reason for that being is, you know, if that can be tracked, that could be utilized by law enforcement. If, if abortion is being criminalized, it could be utilized by, um, extremists that could even track people in terms of where they are going. So there was, um, you know, you can do that today. I mean, an extremist, if they get access to your account information, or, right. or to, an, let's say, an application. They, they gained access to an application that does track location data. They yep. can do that today. Why the big concern? Because now it could be criminalized. So now if this is, you know, this could be utilized. It was a safety situation before to some degree. Now it, it, it's a matter of this information could be collected and provided to law enforcement for these women to be criminalized. So it's a, a degree of um, targeting that could be done um, that that some are saying puts women at risks and and, you know, it just has a lot of ramifications in terms of what could or can't be used from law enforcement, because, you know, law enforcement using tracking information of people has always been a little bit of a dicey situation. And if it can mm-hmm. be used ahead of a crime, a crime then, you know, that also is a situation that's relevant. So, you know, that's kind of what some of um, the situation is. And Google has has been responded by creating um, basically uh, turning off the default tracking um, as a security feature 
Um, At the app level or the phone level? Because wouldn't you just go to the telco and subpoena information? And, and where did this phone check in with which towers at which times? I don't know. That's a good question. I know I mean, it's deleting you have the app location level. of it's deleting location data of users. Right. Um, right. So I'm not so sure it could actually be accessed necessarily at all if it's never turned on in the first place. Right. But I think the telco, the telcos know if you're on cellular, the telcos will know which towers your phone is connecting to. Right. right. So within, I, I don't know the margin of error, but within a couple hundred feet, couple hundred yards, I think, the telcos can track your phone at any given time. So even if the app or, or the provider, Android, iOS, and Apple's case, is disabling tracking, I, I, I would think it's a subpoena to like a AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, wireless, whatever, would be able to track the phone. But I think Google's like, I get these emails. You get emails from Google where they like literally list out specific businesses you visited. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yep. You know, whereas, you know, hey, it pinged off a tower a mile away. You know, that could include a lot of different things. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm creeped out. I, I don't even remember going to this store. <laughs> like, yeah. well, the best know? thing, the best thing, yeah. leave your phone at home. Well, yeah. Right. Just <laughs> leave, leave it at, at home, leave it on. And, you know, if you really want to get paranoid, put a mannequin in the, in your bed sleeping with, put the phone next to it and then do right. what you need to do. But, right. So, so yeah. Jill, just, just so I understand this, and I'm, I'm certainly not an expert in this area. The, the concern is, you know, a, a young girl might live in Texas. She has a phone. She's pregnant. And she's seeking, you know, she wants to go to Planned Parenthood or she wants to go somewhere to seek guidance and counsel and that the law enforcement authorities could could I, I guess they would find out after the fact but they could subpoena her phone records her application records from google from the app provider from whatever and understand where she went at a given time yes um okay. and utilize it in investigations and there's actually you know as some of these um uh app providers and actually phone providers or, or device manufacturers look to um, respond to this by turning off certain functionality um, so that that can't be tracked. There is some talk that law enforcement is going to object in general because this is information that they use in investigations um, for far more than just right. uh, Roe versus Wade scenario. So that's come up right. also. Um, whether For instance, if I, if I have a, if, if I'm accused of breaking and entering, they could subpoena my records. And if I had my phone on me right, and it were, tr it was tracking me, that would help in, in, you know, proving that I was at the location at the time the event happened and prosecuting me. Yes. And, and it could also, I mean, I think some of the fear is also that um, in states that are seeking to criminalize abortion, um, it could sort of empower citizens to provide information on women seeking those services to law enforcement. And that gets into a slippery slope in terms of privacy, for sure. Um, right. So that's a bit of an issue. Um, so there's that. And then there's related to that. There's um, it re reemerges or what reemerges is the fact that there are, you know, health apps that are out there that many of us yes. use. 
are kind of notoriously lax when it comes to security, um, right. particularly around transparency about what they do with data sharing. So there's lots of reports. There's actually been um, law uh, uh, basic uh, companies that have gotten in trouble for uh, vast like collections of data that are routinely shared um, to third party vendors and and that the users aren't being told of that. So depending what women, but really everybody um, has on those health applications, that you know also kind of creates some risk here too. So there's been a lot of calls um, to refocus on what some of the regulations are and enforcements of regulations in terms of the health apps out there is right. another issue that's come up again because of all this. Because unless those health apps connect to a, a, a licensed provider of some sort, I'm, I suspect they don't fall under any kind of HIPAA requirements. Yeah. And I, I wish we had Jessica Davis on here to talk in depth about it. Her, she's our health editor and device security is her, um, her baby in terms of coverage areas. So she knows the stuff inside and out, but it's limited. Yeah. And, um, there, there are definitely calls, uh, to change that um, and to better manage that. But generally speaking, I mean, they they kind of send them out to brokers and data collection brokers in the same way that all the other information is, is sent out from applications. And you know, you know how it is. You get the application and you say, yes, it's okay um, as you're loading this onto your phone in terms of what they can do with your information. And it's limited in terms of transparency. So, um, right. Well, so, you're granting transparency. Well, you're, you're granting the rights. Exactly. Which is always an issue. And everybody, you know, this comes down to awareness. And I think in the wake of Roe uh, v. Wade or the overturning, I think that's what we're hearing a lot is, you know, everybody, but certainly women in this situation, you want to be cognizant of that. You know, what is it that you're sharing? What is it that you're maintaining on devices? You know, um, it. it these sorts of decisions just kind of really spotlight the need to be aware and for greater security awareness in the general population, which I don't think is there right now. You know, whether it be tracking and, and making the proactive decision yourself to turn that off, um, you know, versus it being enforced. So it is. It's been an interesting conversation that's been going on in the wake of this. It's a Big one. And it, 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 I'm, in some ways, I'm glad we're having the conversation now, uh, you know, because I, I think about, you know, those DNA apps where you, you have to like spin the thing and they get your DNA, but then you could like, oh, hey, do you want to know if you're going to get Alzheimer's? You know, but then there's this right. big disclaimer saying, hey, by the way, you know, this could be shared with an insurance company or, and you're like, yeah. well, I kind of want to know, but I don't want to know, you know, <laughs> like, because what if I, I yeah. am and I well, can't get insurance and what do I do? And that can happen in 20 years. I can't plan 20 years ahead. I mean, it's a very heady topic. And yeah. you know, how do you navigate? You know, yep. you, you can't, you know, predict the future and, and what those implications are going to be. And that's really scary. <laughs> it is. It is. There's so much data out there. And, and it's not only you, Rachel. I mean, if you have a cousin or a sister who, who goes to 23andMe or one of those applications, your DNA is essentially out there. I mean, it's, it's close enough where people can link things yes. to you. Yeah. It is a very scary world. I, I'm often reminded in, when I think about that. A long time ago, I forget who said it, but you know, don't put anything on the internet that you don't want everybody to see. Yes. And the same thing really applies to your phone. If you, mm -hmm. if you know, 23andMe, 
you put your data up there, yeah. you have to assume anybody can access it at some in some way, shape or form. Yep. My family made fun of me. So I did 23andMe to see like my ancestry, but it's like one additional permission to then link to others and yes. find out other people that may be related to you. And I didn't want to do it. Now my family did it. So chances are my stuff is out there probably somewhere, <laughs> but I was like, eh, I don't necessarily need everybody to know, you know, that kind of information. So yes. they can know, they can know I'm Italian. Right. I don't need them to yeah. know that I'm related to <laughs> but, but Jill, even, even though you didn't select that option, the data is out the there, data right? there. You right. sent your information, your family sent your information. Yep. They can correlate just like Rachel's getting all these advertisements from Google right now. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and if, if 23 and me, we'll just pick on them for one second has a data breach, doesn't yep. protect the information loses a backup disk, whatever it may be, yeah. the fact that you check that box could be totally meaningless because yeah. your data is available. Absolutely. And even if you did nothing, if your sister did it, right. I bet the bulk of that data is available where they can correlate who Jill Atero is mm -hmm. and, and, and what you do. And it gets more, you know, we always heard about social engineering and, yes. you know, don't share your social security number or the names of your yeah. kids or where you, but this, it takes it to a whole different level, you know, I mean, my goodness. So, uh, you know, it does get to a point where, you know, they can put uh, components together to truly have a definition of a person for lack of a better way to, yeah. to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So based on your experience, your expertise, what, what would be the best outcome here? Like how, how would you like to see it resolve? Which are we talking about? The uh, you know which, data privacy. I mean, yeah. I, I think I, I think whether we're talking you, you know Roe v. Wade being overturned or really any data privacy. I mean, yeah. I would think if you're into the Second Amendment, you don't want people tracking you going to the range. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, data like how would you see? Let's say with Roe v. Wade, maybe or, or health health apps, health yes. data. How would you like? What would be ideal? I think there is a serious lack of um, regulations and compliance around regulations for these things. And I'm not one to necessarily say throw more rules and restrict development or restrict innovation by any stretch. But when it comes to management of personal information, it's kind of ridiculous that these apps are not held to the same standard right. that medical services facilities are. I mean, I do online, you know, um, or uh, virtual doctor's office visits on occasion, yes. especially during COVID. Right. And there's a lot based on HIPAA requirements, standards that you have to go through. You can't maintain right. a single link. You need a fresh link and go everything. And yet I can save some sensitive information about myself on these apps and they have no requirement to put those security, you know, standards in place. Yes. So that's ridiculous to me. I think that cool. is a loophole basically that needs to be managed. And you could say, well, it's the responsibility of the users to manage this sort of thing, but they don't. The reality is they don't. And, you know, so it is the responsibility um, when it, this information is so sensitive uh, for the the vendors, the developers to, to put this in place. And they won't until there's standards in place and that they actually get in trouble for uh, not adhering to those standards and complying. So I think that's step one. And then, you know, it's always kind of a nice 
fluffy statement, but we need better cyber awareness, I think, in general. Um, people need to know what they're putting out there, like you yes. said, and, and be comfortable with it. If you want to, that's great, but you need to be aware, and I don't think there's enough awareness. So No. No. These apps are treated more like entertainment than, you know, but they have very serious information. Yeah. Them. And I say apps, it's but it really bizarre. extends to yeah. devices. Device security yeah. and healthcare um, is huge. It's probably yeah. one of, if not, you know, along with ransomware, one of the top security issues that faces um, healthcare right now is device security. No one's yeah. kind of cracked it in terms of how to go about doing this. So yeah, that's apps and your right. handheld, but it's even devices that hospitals and medical providers right. manage. Those are not yes. secure either. So um, for a variety of reasons, but you know, it's, it's an issue in healthcare because of the sensitivity of the information we're dealing with. I, I always wonder where do we draw the line? Like, is my heart rate protected? I know, right? Is my workout protected? Like, and, and what does that look like? And what's the cost? 20 years ago, I was doing medical work with the uh, military and we, we had to resolve DICOM imagery. Mm. And, and mm -hmm. it was like, it was so expensive to get a DICOM compliant or certified monitor. Yeah. I mean, it was the, basically the same display as, as a regular monitor. Yeah. But it was, I don't know, five, 10 times the price because it had the certificate. So how do you, how do you do it at the right price point and drive what I would call common sense security? Yeah. Like, should my heartbeat, you know, my heart rhythm be protected? And do we, should my the run problem time is what be Rachel protected? said is you don't know, it's hard to know ahead of time how this stuff can be utilized. I mean, right. talking about military, remember when the healthcare app Suddenly, uh, they realized was showcasing location data as yes. a lot of military guys were and women were running, running around, around and the doing base exercise. Yes. Yeah. Suddenly, they're like, "Whoa! People can track where people are around the world with this thing." It's who would have thought, you know, that that would be uh, an issue uh, or a former military thing. here. They should have thought. I think they were sharing on like Strava or, yeah, or, or yeah. Garmin Connect or something like that. I mean, the bottom line, you're running the base perimeter. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe they figured out oh, the adversary built the base. So we, we certainly, uh, they, they should know the perimeter. But <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I mean, this accessibility to data is, is incredible. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and it goes back to, it's funny when you say that, like what is protected, what isn't protected. It does go back also to the info sh information sharing aspect because you go too far in one direction and you don't put in definitions correctly and then we go back to a state of everything is locked down and that's a challenge right. too it's a challenge right. in info sharing for cybersecurity. it's even a challenge in terms of innovation and development and partnership exactly. so it is it's hard you know it really is hard um and I think that's kind of why we end up where we are in a lot of these situations. So Yeah, I, I see it on the government where regulatory compliance overrides capability, features, functions. Yeah. In fact, in, in some cases, the government drives product design because of just these intensely crazy, ridiculous restrictions yep. for the worst case scenario. And, and that's not the answer either. I mm -hmm. mean, I, I don't know that you want the government if you get a bunch of policy wonks to sit down and determine what the answer should be for the people, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that's the best answer either. No. And they struggle with it because they keep, I remember, um, you know, they, they do still do, but under um, Carter, when he was secretary 
of defense, there was the big talk about pulling in the Silicon Valley companies and enabling better innovation in the defense department. De um, defense Innovation Unit was stood up and still exists, which is great. Um, but the struggle is when these startup companies come and government turns around and says, well, you know, we couldn't actually bring it in like that. You have to do A, B, C, D, and you have to adhere to the procurement standards of, of government, which are a hot mess. You know, they walk away. So, um, you know, there needs to be a balance there and an understanding. And I think it's dual. So I think private sector commercial companies need to be better about raising the bar of security to a reasonable level to protect information, to protect networks, to protect the critical infrastructure. And then government does also need to loosen to some degree its standards to enable innovation and to enable partnership and to enable better protection of data because you're working collaboratively with the private sector. So yeah. that that finding that happy medium will always, I feel like, be a struggle between public and private sector. Um, we're gotten better, I suppose. But it's yeah. a very difficult problem. I, I mm -hmm. think we're getting better, but I think the problem is is getting more complex. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. If you go back to 1938, probably weren't worried about information sharing in the same way. Yeah. Nobody was, you know, they had to break into your <laughs> your doctor's office, I guess, where he or she yeah. probably probably right. a he back then, but they they may not have even written anything down. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I remember back after. So we did <clears throat> when I was at Federal Times. We we did a list of the 50. Um, 50 incidents in the United States that drove um, innovation, government things. And one of them was 9-11, was of course. And the talk there was that really drove this realization that you actually need information sharing to enable national security versus keeping everything locked right. down. Um, but then you go to the opposite scenario of uh, like Snowden and saying, okay, you need... You need information sharing, but you also need to do it in a secure way. And so it's like this evolution, a lot of it having to do with as we develop and as um, technology advances, it's like we're figuring it out as we go along and, and it creates problems. So, yeah, it's interesting, though. It really is. I know. I'm still excited for the day when maybe we just have like the little chip thing and I could pay for everything with my wrist. <laughs> mm -hmm. Talk about Big Brother right there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just, I, I don't want to have to carry anything anymore. You know, I just want to like boop, boop. And it's I'm out. called Apple Pay. <laughs> it is. You have it today, Rachel. I'll work with you. But I will say, if anyone's going to end up doing that eventually and giving you that chip, it's also Apple. So maybe. <laughs> In defense of Apple, they're yeah. pretty good with privacy. They're certainly not perfect, but I think they I think they try harder. They do. Which might be Avis's logo, but I, I think they do try on, on, on the privacy side. Which is good because they're among those companies, like I mentioned, that are pushing the envelope in terms of innovation, obviously. Yes. Right. Um, so you need those companies to be at the at the front in terms of these standards and holding themselves to a high standard. So, and they, well, and they have the scale, they have the yeah, scale and the right. ability with all, you know, with their profit levels, they have the ability to do the right thing yes. more easily. Yeah. Maybe we'll say, and that's certainly not perfect. Yeah. That is the problem though, because I think it was Kevin Mandia, um, years ago. Um, I remember speaking to, this is when he was still Mandian. No one knew what the, who the heck Mandiant was. 
and it came out with this big report on China, but he described the small businesses and companies as the sieve. And, um, and they are. I mean, it's great when you see an Apple and a Microsoft doing what they're doing, but there's a whole lot of small companies that are not yes. capable because of resources or because of expertise. And that will forever be the problem. We've seen it so many times in the last few years alone, uh, the supply chain issues, for sure. Yeah, it's we could talk about this stuff for for days, and I know. You know, it's just it's it's frustrating when there's not a, an easy answer. I, yeah. I, I'm lazy, Jill. I think is what it is. I just want yeah. an easy answer <laughs> and move on. Okay, to the Rachel. Next yeah, I mean, leave your phone at home. Don't wear an Apple Watch. Doesn't sound yeah. like you might have one, but leave it at home and take a walk today, and you'll be relatively information <laughs> yeah. protected. Go out into the wilderness, and uh, yeah. <laughs> What if I hurt myself and I need to call someone, Eric? I mean, come on, see? Everything's a trade. Everything's a trade-off. Isn't that I funny just, though? Like I have a a twelve-year-old, and we got him a phone this year, and I the rationale was, well, gosh, what would we do if he wants to go see his friends? We need a ability to reach him, and it's like. I was gone in the morning and didn't come back <laughs> until it was dark. And my parents had right. no idea. So, you know, yeah. times change. I and it worked know. out okay. Yeah. You yeah, know, I survived. Yeah. All right. So, but hey. Rachel, take us home. It, oh, the time boom. has ended. I know. Our time so has come to a close. That's so sad. <laughs> this is a great way to kick off a Friday. Thank you so much, Jill, for joining us. These are like the, the best conversations. Oh, no. Yeah, super fun. It. Yeah, anytime. Anytime. I think last time we talked, like I said, it was after solar winds, and we we're like, well, this is the biggest thing we've seen in years. This is going to go down right. historic. And we've had like four or five more of those things since right. then. So there's always <laughs> plenty to talk about. We will all be employed for a very long time if (laughs) we want to be in this business. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Every day something new. Every day. All right. Well, to all of our listeners out there, thanks again for joining us uh, for another week. And as always, you know, please subscribe. It makes it easy. You get a fresh, fresh, fresh episode with Jill coming directly to your inbox every Tuesday. I mean, (laughs) what's better than that? Uh, So until next time, everybody, y'all stay safe. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 